about this. You've never been at this exact moment in this exact place as this exact version of yourself before. Whoa. I'm Bron Carley. And I'm Cindy Harville. We believe that when we approach the journey of life with curiosity, joy, and a desire to grow, we can have a powerfully positive impact on the world around us. Join us for conversations and explorations that will change your perspective, shift your mindset, and inspire you to get out there and spread the good stuff. Spread that good stuff. What's up, everybody? Today we're talking about absorbing other people's negative emotions. O-M-G. And intense energy. Yes, intense energy. I don't know what that's like. Well, we're going to talk about it today. Oh, actually, I do. I have an offspring, and he has that intense energy. Where did he get that from? (laughs) Hmm, I wonder. Um, But before we dive into our super awesome techniques to help deal with that, um, this episode is brought to you by The Good Stuff Network. The Good Stuff Network. That's us. It's oh, a great name. Uh, but you can visit go.spreadthegoodstuff.com if you want to see how you can be involved, um, join our community if we have anything going on right now. Um, if we have anything so going on right now. there's anything going on. <laughs> there's definitely. There's it's something just, going on right now. But what about when people are watching? There will be something going on there, too. Yeah. Okay. Something. So absorbing people's negative emotions. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, as... Parents, this is something that we experience having young kids, and there's a lot of emotions when you have when you have little kids around. You know, toddlers, oh, yeah. babies. There's a lot of like unfiltered emotions being released. And then also, <laughs> I would say the two elements that we're really going to touch on today are parenting and performance, because there's parenting where it's like a small space with a small group of people, and then there's performing where it's a huge space with lots of people. And so those are the two scales that I work in. Here I am in front of 10,000 people, and then here I am in front of three people or four people, you know? And so, and the parallels of that and how some of the techniques definitely apply for for both. And I love your technique, which we're going to get into, but go ahead. Well, I would love to throw in a third realm because this is something that I have past experience with would be interacting with people for a job, like being in a customer service position or being on a, a frontline interaction with people. Yeah. I think I think ultimately um, any interaction with a person, if you allow yourself to be out in the world as a human being, interacting with other human beings, yeah. you are you're sort of putting yourself, I don't want to frame this in a negative way, but you're putting yourself like at risk for anybody's feelings. For sure. You know, and I would actually say that what you're saying is the same thing because my job is performing, right? So that would be the same thing as whatever you were referencing as performance. It's like I'm putting myself out in either in front of five people or five thousand people, but then there's still the engagement of after the the presentation or the performance where I might be one to one or in that kind of environment as well. But even so, either it's even if it's in front of all the people or a few people, it's still the same thing, and I'm still putting myself even more so. But yeah. yeah, well, and that's true. Ultimately, performing for people is a variation of customer service in a way. You're ser- you're serving people in a certain way. Absolutely. Um, I I, cert- I I wanted to make it clear for listeners that you know it's not just being on stage or as a parent, but like any interaction with humans gives you you're you are putting yourself out there for. Yeah, being exposed to their negative and also being exposed to their positive stuff Absolutely. because the positive stuff is also contagious, so to speak. 
Um, so that can be a positive thing. Yeah. Well, and we don't need to tell people how to absorb more positive energy because they already know how to do it. You know, it's like, I mean, that's maybe, yeah, well, if, maybe if you don't know, that's how, another okay. episode. Okay. Yeah. How do you <laughs> absorb the positive energy more? Right. And then deflect or, you know, redirect the negative energy. Well, that's an energy or the preferred and less preferred. That's that's an interesting, that's an in, in energizing perspective. <laughs> that's an interesting perspective because you see some people that aren't receptive to, you know, you're trying to cheer them up, you're trying to make jokes and make them smile, you know, mm-hmm. and they are like, no, no, thank you. And it's almost like they've put up those, that wall and you're like, oh, well, that's the wall that you need when you're trying to deflect the negative, Yeah, you know, but that's the point that we're trying to make here is that we sometimes don't think about the ability that we have to protect ourselves Mm -hmm. from the stuff we don't want. You know, any unwanted negative, or we mentioned in our previous episode, an episode that we did where we interviewed Jenny, Jenny McKinney. Yeah. Um, She's, um, we talked a lot about laughter and joy, and, and we talked briefly about energy vampires and people that are, you know, sucking the, sucking the joy from you. So, um, it's like an energy cat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, but I think, I think it's really an empowering feeling to know that you can like control your own space. Mm -hmm. If you look at your own space and some people, there are varying levels of what people think about with their energy. But if you kind of think of yourself in a box with protection, you know, um, when you go out so that you don't have to let anything in that you don't want in. Yeah. You know, and I actually prefer, I don't like visualizing a box myself because that feels like a cage. I actually prefer a sphere, something circular, because that also has the ability to expand and contract easily. Right. And then it kind of goes with me and it doesn't have any corners. So it's very natural. Right. So it has a very, a very natural, naturalistic property to it. So I like, I like a sphere or a circle and it's an energetic sphere that can expand and it can contract. And if I'm on stage, I expand out to 10,000 people. And when I'm in a little tiny airplane or someplace, I contract it in and it's like, boop. I like a box so that I can like poke people with the corners no, in case I need to. Good, good quality. Yeah. I like that. Very fitting for your personality. Well, I think, you know, coming back to the, where we started was like, as parents, it's a tool that we often need because, you know, for us, we've got two really energetic young boys and there's a lot of energy. Well, two energetic young boys that we're responsible for. That we're responsible that it's for. Like when, and when they come in the door at the end of a day of school where they've been following rules all day and they've been told what to do and they've been holding it in, they want to release that energy, right? And you have a word for it, actually. What's the word you were referring to about oh, um, holding it in and then... And when they come it. home, there's it's restraint collapse. Resta- restraint collapse. As they've been restraining themselves all day, trying so hard to like follow the rules yeah. and do the things they're supposed to do and stay in the lines yep. and not not make noises when <laughs> when they're not supposed to make noises. And then when they get home, it's like they want to release that. They want to let go. And we do that as, as, I mean, look, they're just tiny humans and we're just bigger humans. We just happen to be a few years older. Uh, but it's like, we all do that as people. We, we hold that in for so long and then we need to release that. And so when they come home, they need to release that. And there's, we're not going to like, put them somewhere else. This is where they go. They, we are the people that they do it to. Like they're going to release that. Mm-hmm. And so in order to hold that space for them 
to release that and expand and shake that off and, you know, get into another mode or another state, right? Um, we have to have tools so that we don't absorb that. And one tool that I know you talk about a lot, which I love and I talk about now too, but it's still yours, which is the raincoat technique, which originally came from when you coached me and using it when I'm driving a car, right? You remember yeah. that first moment when yeah. I was driving the car and I was, you know, upset because of somebody else's choices to act aggressively um, and in a very unfriendly humanitarian way. And they, then I projected that energy and I was wasting that energy. And then you told me to be a raincoat, mm -hmm. to not absorb that, but to allow it to wash off. Yeah. And then we've done a really good job, I feel like, of incorporating that into the household as well with the people that we love the most. You know what I mean? Because it's like even the people that we love the most still can broadcast less preferred music or vibrations or sound or energy, you know, and then if we absorb it, that goes into us. Well, and, and the, our responsibility as parents or as a safe driver is how do I maintain myself, my groundedness in this situation so that I can ultimately make good decisions. So whether if you're driving a car, you don't want to absorb that, you know, crazy, um, whatever is going on with the driver swerving around in front of you, like whatever, getting up right behind you, whatever they're doing, you don't want to absorb that. And then it kind of adds a wildness and a chaos to your driving. Yeah. You don't want to start doing that. It, you know, and unless you protect your own energy field in a way to where you can maintain that, you know, Zen spot right in the middle and continue to make your good choices driving. Mm -hmm. Cause it's hard. It's like when somebody is pushing up right behind you, you feel that you feel their energy. It almost like it pushes you yeah. like with invisible hands, yeah. you know, you really yeah. do feel it. And you're like, I, I have to go faster. I mean, it has that effect on you, whether you recognize that or not. That is what, that's what's going on there. Well, that's the first part is recognizing it. Yeah. And once we recognize it, we recognize, well, we recognize there's something there. And now we ask the question of, can I control this or not? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if it's something like that, I have some control over that, how it affects me. Yeah. And then, right. If I can't control it, what am I going to choose to do with this? Yeah. You know, and that could be whatever way, shape it. I mean, I, driving just as an example is sometimes I've actually like, pulled over and let people around me or consciously like, you know what I mean? Even, you know, I mean, a lot of different situations on the freeway, on a small road, whatever. It's like, let me let that energy go around me as, as effortlessly and fluidly as possible oh. so that they continue to go on their way. I don't need to be there because essentially as a driver, if they're behind me and I'm in front of them, that I'm in between and they're going that direction. I'm in between them and wherever they're going. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be broadcasting that energy and pushing it. And I'm going to be the receiver. Just like if I had loud music playing and it's going in that direction, I would say, okay, that's too loud for me. I'm going to remove myself and put myself behind the speakers. So the speakers aren't blasting in my, in my ears, yeah. you know? So ultimately you're, you've got to ask that question. Do I want to give that person I'm pointing backwards like they're behind me, but yeah. in a car, do I want to give that person power over what I'm feeling right now and the choices that I make? Yeah. Do I want to be that way? You know, and like being able to consciously acknowledge, no, I don't. I actually don't want that to have an impact on my day. Because oftentimes what happens and the, the, the reason I love the raincoat um, analogy so much 
is because without a raincoat, you think about what happens to rain on your clothes. Your clothes absorb. They get heavier. They, they're, obviously, you're wet. Yeah. But it's like it goes into you, and you can just like, and your hair is all wet, or you know, maybe your beard gets wet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You absorb it, and it weighs you down. Yeah. Whereas with a raincoat, it flows off of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was going to go somewhere else with it, and I lost my direction there. But you, but ultimately, the same thing with parenting. I was going to draw the parallel back to parenting too. Of when you're in a moment at home, and your kids have come home, and they're chaotic, and they're, you know, it's really easy to absorb that energy and to like sort of combat. You know, your your natural. In t- uh, your natural response is, I have to be loud because they're being loud. I need to be louder than them if they're going to hear me. You know, that's kind of the our sort of primitive response, you know. Um, and that's not always what gives the best yeah. ending solution. Um, it almost <laughs> never does. And, and in fact, it, it, it makes me think of what we do with, you know, with the boys because, you know, they're still tiny. You know, they're under three feet tall. And when we're out and we see uh, a dog that's off a leash, don't get me started, but like a dog that's off the leash, a big dog, especially that's running towards them and their mouth is right at their face level. And they don't know that dog. They don't know the dog's name. They don't know the dog's temperament. They don't know what the dog eats. They don't know anything about the dog. And the dog comes running right at them, right? And this has happened. We've had some really less preferred experiences with dogs off of leashes, um, which I am I am definitely all about letting your dog run free. But I am definitely like, let your dog run free, but just not in the, in the face and the space of a tiny person. You know what I mean? I can hold my own against pretty much whatever dog. I have the physical ability. I'm, you know, six feet tall. I'm above it. I can I can defend myself. I can direct their energy. I can read their body language. I can feel their energy. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna navigate that in a healthy way. But my four-year-old is not. You know, they don't have enough experience. They don't have enough data. They don't have the skills or the tools to read the information and then to know what to do with that energy or that information and then how to redirect it. They're not physically big enough to be above it too. And, you know, for, for healthier situations. So what we do is when there is a big dog running or a small dog for that matter, uh, we don't freak out. We say, let's be still and chill, right? So we get still and then we're chill. So we don't make loud sounds because the first thing they want to do is make a loud sound like squeal or or scream or be like, ah, and freak out and then run away because they're scared. I mean, it makes sense. There's a big, hairy beast with sharp teeth running at their face. It's like they want to get away from it, right? Any normal being would say, that is dangerous. Large, hairy, wild thing, sharp teeth coming at me. I'm going to go the other way, Right. And so, but they want to run and when they run and when they squeal, generally speaking, the dog wants to play because the dog is taking that as a signal of, oh, it's another, it's another little creature that wants to play and run. Awesome. And so that amplifies the whole thing. But we say still and chill, right? Because then if they're still and then they're chill, the dog really will probably lose interest, you know? And so it won't be that kind of amplified energy where it's that mirror reflecting it back, like the infinity mirror when there's a mirror in front and a mirror behind and it just keeps reflecting the image back and back and back and back and back and back, right? It's that same kind of thing. And so that applies for the boys when we're out still and chill, right? As in the, in the environment here as well with the Ranko technique. 
So there's a couple couple of ideas. So the moral of the story is please put your dogs on a leash well, <laughs> and then put them in a raincoat. Okay, yeah. No, <laughs> it's not that. It's not that because I'm all about dogs. And I was raised around dogs just because this is important. You know, it's like I was raised around dogs. I mean, basset hounds, labs, shelties, poodles, um, you know, all kinds of things. I love dogs. I love them very much. I love connecting with dogs. Um, you know, I... I German shepherds. We used to have a huge German shepherd and I used to wrestle with him all the time. And we had a great relationship, but we cultivated that relationship over time. And I was able to, I was able to push him to the max, you know, and I knew where his, his ceiling was of, of when he, when I would push his temperament over to fear or being scared or being aggressive or whatever. And we had that deep relationship just as in a person. Like I wouldn't just run up to a random person, just make out with them. You know, it's like, I'm going to say hi, or I'm going to like kind of gauge them. And so I'm going to, I'm going to have some activities that would gauge their interest or their energy or their temperament before I just jump right in. It's the same thing with a, with a, a, a dog, you know, I'm going to like gauge it first. I, I am a dog petter and a dog lover, but not everybody is. And when that thing comes up and gets in your space, it energetically affects you and it can physically affect you again for that height. So it's not have your dogs on a leash. It's your dogs can be free. But again, and this is a complicated topic because it's like, are you responsible for your dog? Well, yeah, you are. They're their own being, but you are responsible for them. Same thing. Are you responsible for your kids? Well, yeah but they're not my report card, but I am responsible for them and I have to keep them safe as I need to keep other people safe from them. And that could be dog, cat, bird, fish, shark, person, car, whatever. Well, I'm just trying to draw the parallel of where the dogs came in with the protecting my energy. If I am, you know, comparing this to comparing a, you know, a crazy person, a crazy driver with intense energy. Am I comparing them to the dog off the leash? Yeah, definitely. And then, yeah, so like yeah. I'm just trying to come yeah. back to where where the dogs connect to the to the story of the energy because you know, one thing you said was like still and chill. Yep. Which is like makes me think of that parenting slow, uh, slow and low, low and, and listen. Slow. Yeah, there's slow, some low sort listen. of yeah. There's some sort of theme here of like these moments where we feel that intensity coming at us where it's like we have to slow our brains down yeah. and not let it get caught up yep. with that with that rolling of, you know, there's something about intense energy that makes me think of a, a rolling ball down a hill, like the momentum of that. And it's like it's really easy to kind of get caught up in that role and go along with it. Well, it is. And that's why people go to major sporting events. Because at major sporting events, there's a collective energy. There's a collective consciousness, a collective energy. Like there's a there's a, a vibration and a tempo and an intensity to it, to a, to a big game, especially if it's like the playoff game or it's like the rival teams come together. It's like that's a big deal and there's all this tension. And it's like that and we get pulled into that collectiveness as humans, that sympathetic resonance, right? We hear a song, it gets stuck in our head, it resonates in our body. It's that same kind of thing. And so it's like being able to control that, I think, is um, I think that's a powerful skill. And so that is driving a car, sporting event, uh, parenting at home. <laughs> I think it's well, all things. That, that makes me think of another um, when we did this, when we did a program with um, a team that we were working with, you and I. Yeah. Um, and someone 
mentioned that they were really empathetic and it was really hard for them to, you know, sort of put put up that shield and close themselves, put up their circle or their box or whatever yeah. to protect their energy and going along with the theme of it being something you absorb from people. They mentioned that they needed a way to wring out their sponge at the end of the day oh, right, because yeah. they felt like a sponge because when you are an empathetic person, it's probably harder to put up those barriers and yeah. not, and not let that, you know, sort of go through your raincoat or if you're trying, you know, like, and let it get through you and not let it, you, uh, uh, not absorb it. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say there. Um, and so that's an interesting question too, is like, well, what happens when I didn't put on my raincoat, I forgot my raincoat or I got, I was too late and got it. And then it's like this process of, of, understanding that you have to then release it yeah. or you, you don't have to, you could hold on to it, I suppose. But, um, <laughs> the idea that if you have absorbed it, yeah. there's still the opportunity to slow still, no, still and chill, still and chill. Yeah. to still and chill and say, okay, now I got to ring, ring out my sponge, yeah. you know, and some people are more empathetic than others. So some people it's, it's a lot easier for certain people to block it off and say, I'm going to remain calm in this moment. Yeah. And I think one thing that I'm pulling in is, as you were trying to connect the dots there with all the different things, the raincoat, the still and chill, you know, all of these different, different techniques. Um, it's, you know, it's really having, having awareness that that energy is affecting us. What, you know, whether we're conscious of it or not, it's number one, developing that consciousness because that could be ruling us, you know, with the way that we're feeling, with our health, our wellness, our, our actions that we're taking towards other people. Um, and then, you know, rec- recognizing it first and then asking, can I control this? Do I have control over this or not? Can I pull over right now? Can I redirect? Can I be still and chill? Can I put my raincoat on? Whatever it is. Um, and then if so, I do that, you know, and so, and then, it can, it, it's in all different environments, but it's omnipresent, you know, and the same thing, like we hear the music, it comes into us, it resonates in us. And then it's like, but do, can we block it off? You know, do we have control over that? Um, and so that's parenting, performing, jobbing, driving, all of these different scenarios, but it's all, it's all just, I think, developing mm-hmm. that awareness. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're jobbing. When you're jobbing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that as a verb. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. I think that's it. I'm going to go put my raincoat on. Yeah. I'm going to head be, out into the world. I'm going to be still and chill. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Spread the Good Stuff podcast. If you like what you're hearing, then join our community at spreadthegoodstuff.com forward slash community. In addition to this podcast, the Good Stuff Network puts on group programs, live events, and retreats, all infused with music, meditations, laughter, and real authentic connections with amazing human beings. If you got some value today, do us a favor and spread the good stuff by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Spread that good stuff.